4: The race for City Hall.
5: They were safer four years ago
2: than they are at this moment.
4: Work on the culture of policing, taking down this blue wall of silence.
2: An AJC community conversation. Communities living in generational poverty go unaddressed again and again.
1: You give us 200 days to turn around crime.
2: I will be in 30-minute meetings,
3: 15-minute meetings, one-hour meetings. Morning meeting, 6-7 AM roll call.
2: This is Politically Georgia.
6: Hello and welcome to the latest Politically Georgia podcast. This is Greg Blueston, your host, and I'm here in the AJC Newsroom with City Hall reporters JD Capaluto and Wilbur Nobles the Third. And we literally just wrapped up the AJC Mayoral Forum showdown between the five leading candidates. And we're here to talk about it. Hey guys, how are you?
7: Hello, hello. Whew, hi. <laughs>
6: <laughs> it was quite the event. Uh, it was at 90 minutes, and if you missed it, go make sure you check it out on the AJC's web page, social media accounts, everywhere, and you'll see a full write-up of it by Ben Brash. But for now, these guys, for once, don't have to write the write-up because they were the moderate we panelist in it. of the debate.
7: Did it.
8: Yep.
6: So first question is, if you were to be writing the story, J.D., what would your headline be?
8: Oh, gosh. The focus tonight for me was on crime. We, again, I know that I, sounds like a broken record in this mayor's race, but we saw a lot of candidates pivot back to that when they were making their case and answering questions that some of which weren't even, you know, directly about crime in terms of how they were asked. So we saw that a bit. Um, but then we also saw later in the in the forum, asking what questions not being talked about enough, they, they all kind of said, we're talking so much about crime. So there was a little bit of that. You know, I know we're, we're talking a lot about crime, but there's a, a lot of other things to to be, uh, to focus on here. Um, so we touched on COVID. We touched on, you know, uh, people mentioned that transit is something that's not being talked about enough, but we also touched tonight on affordable housing and the Buckhead Cityhood movement.
6: And uh, let's listen to one of the clips uh, when you hear former Mayor Kasim Reed not only talk about crime, but specifically murder.
5: The bottom line is during my tenure, uh, when we left, even according to the AJC, Crime was the lowest it had been in 40 years. And off of that framework, uh, Mayor Bottoms continued a forward progression of crime reduction. The reason that I'm the right person is because you're experiencing a crime spike of 58%. You're experiencing an officer reduction down to 1,340 officers and 155 people were murdered. And the mayor that we need right now is a person that will be day one ready to know how to select a first rate chief the way that I did with Chief Turner and Chief Shields, build morale among the police department and get them on a forward foot regarding reducing crime.
6: So, Wilbur, what do you think? What, was, what would be your headline had you been on deadline to write this right now?
7: Oh, I, I really feel pressures for- on. I feel for our colleague, Ben, he's writing it right now as we speak. Uh, if I was Ben, I would, <clears throat> the headline I would use is Atlanta's leading candidates were super respectful at the latest forum. <laughs> and I only say that because it's true. I, I, I appreciate all five of them. They did a really fantastic job there. There was no um, uh, mudslinging. You know, we've seen at recent debates that the candidates have become more aggressive in trying to distinguish themselves um, from, you know certain leading candidates, uh, and that really didn't happen tonight, so I'm glad that they kept it professional. Yeah, yeah I,
6: share, I shared this video with you guys uh, uh, this morning of one of the forums over the weekend where Mayor, former Mayor Reed and Council President Felicia Moore just were, went at
4: it. Number one, you challenged me to say whether you were in, under investigation. If you listened to my question, I said your campaign, Kasim Reed campaign is under investigation.
5: Once again, I you're wrong, it you is see, not.
4: You are interrupting me, nope. can I get a moderator? Because speech?
5: you're lying. You don't well, get to sit on a forum and say, lie.
4: But I'm not lying, and that's why you're interrupting me, because you don't want me to finish my comment.
5: Finish.
6: And uh, I expected a little bit of that today, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't, as a moderator, not once did I have to do a rebuttal.
8: No, yeah, we, we saw uh, you know, them pretty much stay on topic and stay focused on their plans. Didn't speak too much about the other candidates. We we heard in the closing statements, a little bit of people mentioning uh, talks about corruption. Uh, you know, uh, Andre Dickens said, we can't go backwards, kind of maybe subtly referencing the Reed administration, but didn't mention him by name. And there wasn't as much of that.
3: This election to me is about the future and the soul of Atlanta. Are we gonna move forward in peace productivity, prosperity for all, or are we going to go backwards into despair, destruction, and corruption?
6: Now, we talked about how it was uh, a debate focused on policy, and one of the biggest uh, policy issues these mayors, mayoral candidates are confronting is the issue of Buckhead City. Um, where, did you learn, you guys have been watching this so closely, did you guys learn anything new about their stances, how they'd approach the coming debate over Buckhead City? Because one thing that caught me um, off guard was Um, when it was Mayor Reed, former Mayor Reed, who was basically saying when the referendum comes in 2022. So he's already talking about this as if it's a done deal.
5: The good thing is, is that we've got about a one year runway before the 2022 referendum date. And the biggest thing that you can do for Buckhead is to reduce crime and violence in the city of Atlanta.
7: Yeah. You know, you talk to former Mayor Reed and he's going to tell you that Buckhead residents will be able to vote on their own cityhood. And of course, you have uh, the other candidates. Council President Moore spoke about this.
4: I will have conversations with them. And I will also be at the state legislature trying to seek to stop uh, the movement. And if that is not successful uh, for many reasons, uh, and we get to November 2022 and they are uh, so afforded the opportunity to vote to leave, I believe once they see that they have great, effective, trustworthy leadership that they will choose a majority of them to stay a part of what they are a part of now, this great city of Atlanta.
8: Former Mayor Reed also mentioned his ties with the, in the legislature. So I do think that while he, you know, may be pitching this as something that will for sure happen, I think he uh, is also considering the option that it might not get to the ballot at all by pitching himself as a unique, uniquely qualified having served in the state legislature.
6: Yeah, you know, and and his, strong ties with former Governor Deal, the relationship they forged, and his promise to kind of you know bring back city-state relations was something that he brought up as well. That is not necessarily on the forefront for, for other lawmakers, but Felicia Moore, she she also made the same point that mm-hmm. she'd be in the state Capitol lobbying uh, all the time.
8: Mm-hmm. Also, they all said, I think the word listen, or we hear them. Mm-hmm. Councilman Dickens first.
3: Buckhead wants to feel safe and they want to feel heard. Ms. Gay. Well,
1: the first thing I say is that
4: Hear
5: you. Council President Moore.
4: Oh, I would certainly say that I hear them as well.
5: Former Mayor Reed. first thing that I would do is, would be to sit down and listen. Councilman Brown.
2: Buckhead is not the only community that has experienced uh, this feeling of not being heard. So, what, what
6: do you think that approach is like?
7: I understand where they're coming from. I mean, obviously, I've never been in the position to lead. I've never been in elected office before. Um, I've never served on any former mayor's cabinet like Miss Gay did. So, yeah, uh, the, obviously the straightforward thing to do, though, would be to say, oh, I hear you. I understand your concerns, uh, Buckhead residents. But, of course, um, people in Buckhead and, again, people throughout the city, they're saying, okay, we know you hear us. Y'all hear us right now. But what are y'all going to do about it? Like, what are you going to actually do to address crime when you're in office? So that's that's what folks want to see. And they're not going to be able to see that until um, the next mayor gets into office in January.
8: Yeah, that, that was a question where a lot of them pivoted back to crime and said, I'm going to show them what I can do by getting the crime numbers down. But again, easier said than done when it comes to kind of stopping this momentum that the Buckhead Cityhood movement has.
6: Yeah. And there seems to be kind of a, a rift, too, in terms of some candidates are saying, hey, it's going to take a long time. Others are kind of saying within 100 100 or 200 days, we'll have this crime issue nipped in the bud.
8: Yeah, Sharon Gay said, give give us maybe 200 days. Like that's what her message. (laughs) I haven't heard those, uh, you know, that number, you know, a number like that be used so concretely before in regards to Buckhead Cityhood. But it was definitely uh, interesting.
1: I would encourage the residents of Buckhead City to focus on is electing new leadership this year and holding those new leaders accountable for the change you seek. And then if I'm elected mayor, I will show up, I will do the work, I will listen. And I would ask that you give us 200 days, maybe, uh, to turn around crime, to clean up corruption, to improve the delivery of city services, and to make the government something you feel confident of being and comfortable being a part of, because Buckhead is a part of the city.
6: You know, one of my favorite questions you guys asked was, what is not being covered enough, what is not being talked about enough, I I should say. Um, And they gave some interesting answers to that.
7: It was interesting how you had Mr. Reed mention that uh, we weren't talking enough about...
5: Uh, Poor people. People are hurting much more than we see or talk about. Um, Black people, for example, lost 2.7 years in life expectancy as a result of COVID.
7: But of course, right after that, right, you had... Uh, Councilman Brown say, "Well,
2: I just want to preface this by saying I think I've been talking a hell of a lot about generational poverty and black poor people in this city. I think to the point where folks are probably sick of me talking about it.
7: I mean, that can never be talked about uh, enough. So at the same time, I, you know, Councilman Dickens brought up the COVID issue.
3: What's not being talked about is all of Atlanta, a wholeness." of Atlanta, that yes, we're talking about public safety, but we're talking about public health. I haven't had one COVID question in in 17 <laughs> uh, different forums.
7: I mean, yeah, we're COVID's not going to go away at the end of the year. We're going to still have coronavirus. So uh, that should be discussed in more detail. I'm glad JD asked him about um, vaccinations and what have mm-hmm.
8: you going forward. Yeah, that was another one that got interesting responses. We saw pretty much Most of them said yes, they would require vaccines.
1: Vaccines keep everyone safe, not just the person who gets the vaccination, but the people around them who perhaps don't have it, can't have it or too young to have it. The answer to that question is yes. I mean, we are a public entity and we're going
4: to be interacting with each other and other members of the public.
5: Um, We would absolutely uh, mandate vaccinations for our workforce. And for those who did not want to participate in that effort, they would have to be tested weekly.
8: Um, I believe Councilman Brown said that he wouldn't require vaccines, but then said that he would institute testing for people who aren't vaccinated, which is pretty similar to what a lot of the vaccine mandates have had.
2: I would not require that the workforce is vaccinated. Uh, I would let I would give them the choice uh, to either be vaccinated or not. Um, And if they choose not to be vaccinated, of course, we would conduct biweekly testing um, within the city workforce.
8: And then Councilman Dickens had an interesting response to that.
2: So I would say within the first
3: 100 days, I'd like to get us to 100 percent vaccination. And I'd like to do that by using carrots instead of sticks. Um, you know, you develop incentives that allow them
8: to be paid to get vaccination. So essentially, they're all they're all um, for the vaccine mandates or getting tested.
7: Are you going to give folks raises if they can show their vaccine card? Like, I wonder what are these incentives, this quote unquote carrot you're going to use and what's the stick going to look like? Sounded like
8: money because he mentioned the general fund.
7: Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested, but I'm also interested to know how would you, um, you know, he, he used stick instead of saying like penalize. But what would you do to folks? city employees if they don't get the shots you know and we're
6: we're seeing that play out right now in in decatur in Mm -hmm. um and athens where they're talking about a a a stricter vaccine mandate and there's different ways state and city government officials could do this they could they could offer cash incentive for people who have got vaccinated and even levy fees on those who don't or testing requirements or other things so you're seeing this experiment kind of play out all over the country Mm -hmm. right now
8: Do you think that if Atlanta instituted a vaccine mandate for employees that Governor Kemp would get involved or try and stop in some way?
6: That's a great question because so far he has taken a hands-off approach um, when Athens, when Decatur, um, was it Brookhaven? Brookhaven Brookhaven as well. So two metro Atlanta cities in his hometown have uh, have all taken steps towards that. And he has not yet said anything. He said he opposes vaccine mandates but has not yet threatened legal action. So... Uh, But, you know, we know uh, when Savannah, for instance, instituted a mask mandate, he didn't last year, he didn't take any steps. But when Atlanta did, there was a legal battle that they ended up withdrawing from, but still a legal battle. Um, So it could it could be just be just the election year thing that Governor Kim wants to fight over, even if it's a losing battle for him. Um, Look, I mean, you know, it's funny because a year ago in all these debates, all we talked about was the pandemic. And then I was struck by something that Councilman uh, uh, Dickens said, which was, I've got a 17 debates now. And I'm barely getting asked questions about the pandemic. Maybe <laughs> it's a sign, right?
8: <laughs> For the record, the next question on, yep. on our that list was, was always good. going to be a COVID question. So yeah. I wanted to mention it. It was already him, in yeah. the plan. I can attest mm-hmm. to
6: that, but still it is. And certainly we asked about the, the pandemic, but it it when, when you guys asked what was a positive from Mayor Bottoms' administration, um, at least one or two of the candidates said the way that she's handled the public health crisis.
7: And it's so interesting because our AJC poll, uh, again, it mentioned when we asked folks, when we talked to people if they thought the city was on the wrong track, um, it seems like the only bright spot, right, And uh, the way the city has handled things uh, over the past year was their response to COVID, which, you know, Governor Kent would disagree. But uh, to your point, Greg, I think that um, to answer another question, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta doesn't make any big actions on mandates for vaccinations until you know the next mayor is in office and maybe then the governor will probably try to see how he wants to have the relationship with that next person so i, I don't i don't see mayor Bottoms doing that i, I doubt it's going to happen before the year ends yeah.
8: the only candidate tonight who criticized mayor bottoms for anything covid related was sharon gay saying that she would have opened city hall earlier Which i agree <laughs> <laughs> we want to cover the city council meetings in person yeah, but, yeah. In person, talk to folks
6: and this, but this, and this was not, a, we, we mentioned there's not really criticism, uh, you know, internal criticism. Uh, the candidates weren't battering each other like we've seen in some other forums and debates. There wasn't too much battering of former mayor, of, of current mayor Bottoms, <laughs> soon to be former mayor Bottoms after she doesn't run for a second term. But there wasn't, uh, th- there was some kind of veiled criticism at her, as you mentioned, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't tearing down her current administration at all.
8: Right. We we I guess the most concrete way we saw them criticize the Bottoms administration was probably over the jail. A few of them mentioned that Um, all of the candidates except for Councilman Brown uh, want to see the jail remain open, um, which runs counter to what Mayor Bottoms has tried to do with closing the jail. Um, You know, they mentioned crime, uh, but didn't directly kind of tie her to that. So, so yeah, definitely right.
6: And Kasim Reed did say as well that the closing of the jail during last year, during this, you know, the very rocky time. in, in American history, sent the wrong signal to the neer do I guess you could say, the people who traveled to Atlanta, he said, just to kind of do, do bad stuff.
5: I would also send a clear signal to criminals that we have a jail to place you in. I think closing the jail sent the wrong message to criminals and repeat offenders.
7: And he was very, it just seems like his campaign, right, this entire time he wants to... Um, present himself as the public safety mayor, right? You have Councilman Dickens, who's the jobs mayor. And so uh, <laughs> Mr. Reed is the, the, the cops mayor, if you will. And uh, maybe that'll work for him. We, we, we won't know until uh, November and most likely in, in, until the runoff. Uh, it's, it's really interesting just seeing how this plays out.
6: Well, another great question you guys asked was, hey, there's 40% in the last AJC poll of, of people who say they're undecided. What makes these candidates stand out? Were there any answers there that, that kind of stuck out to you? Not really. Because <laughs> you've heard it
7: all.
2: This,
8: all of yeah. The, yeah, all of those I've pretty much heard before. I think Councilman Brown mentioned a trust fund.
2: One of the things in which I, I have listed on my platform that I no other candidate uh, is, is addressing or, or mentioning is a $250 million workforce development bond in which Georgia State University is currently studying now. Uh, that would be huge for the city of Atlanta and truly become a model that could be replicated across the country.
7: Councilman Brown, he, he stands out in the sense that, well, I mean, there are a few ways he stands out. He's the youngest candidate uh, among the, the top mm-hmm. five. Right. Of course, you have other candidates who are, who are much younger than Councilman Brown, but they're not polling in the top five. But, you know, uh, Councilman Brown, he is telling folks that he wants to.
2: I'm the only candidate that will close ACDC. And I'm the uh the Atlanta City Detention Center. And I am the only candidate that has publicly stated that I would rescind the lease agreement between the city of Atlanta uh, and the Atlanta Police Foundation around Cop City uh, with the development of a training facility on the old Atlanta prison farmland.
8: Yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, the the discussions about the jail that we're having uh made me think about Andre Dickens' answer to the question we posed to him about, you know, why he supports keeping the jail open
3: the acdc is uh underutilized to say the least and so i was in favor of for a temporary period six months to eight months to alleviate this court backlog to be able to relieve some pressure off of the fulton county jail but not for a long-term solution. Fulton County will have to either build a larger jail or figure out how to get people through uh, this uh, court process quicker, through more, um, you know, through more uh, DAs, ADAs, or through more court situations. But then we still need to reimagine what to do with ACDC.
8: That's something that we haven't heard a lot of the candidates speak about. It. They mostly say we need to keep it open right now. Um, not as many are addressing the, the you know, the long-term usage um, that he had. You know,
6: someone who covers state politics when Sharon Gay started talking about an outsider with no business, with no political experience Sound coming familiar? from the outside, it sure sounded like a lot of Republicans candidates for statewide <laughs> office that I hear very often. It's unique because oftentimes, you know, at least in state partisan politics, Republicans gravitate towards outsider candidates. Democrats gravitate towards more, you know, candidates with more political experience. City politics—it's a, you know—it's a completely different story. Um, but it was interesting hearing Sharon Gay kind of go at that theme.
8: Right. That's definitely something that she has working in her favor in terms in terms of uh, setting herself apart from the other candidates and speaking about what makes her different. You know, she could easily say, I've never held elected office here.
7: And that's cool that she can present herself in that manner. But I think it's really important for folks to remember that she was, I believe, deputy chief of staff mm-hmm. for former Mayor Bill Campbell. So she's been around. Probably longer than Councilman Andre Dickens and Antonio Brown. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. She's not really a stranger in Atlanta City not Hall. Not to City Hall, she's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she knows the ins and outs. Now, as I
6: mentioned, 40% in our last poll said they are undecided. But I have a feeling that when our next poll comes out, the AJC is going to publish a poll later on this month in kind of mid-October, feeling that number is going to be a lot smaller because by now you've had candidates who have gone on the airwaves you have more voters who have been exposed to their messages their mailers their email whatever in you know, social media digital ads all that um so you know how does this debate to you help prepare us for that final sprint because we're at what less than a month ago until mm-hmm. election day mm-hmm.
8: Want to hear something crazy? It's a week until early voting tomorrow. So people start heading to the polls next week. And I think that's when people are going to say, you know, maybe some of the people who have election fatigue, like we talked about before, might be, you know, oh, okay, now it's time for me to, you know, pay attention and choose a candidate. So I hope that the forum tonight really helped people, you know, if if they didn't know about these candidates, introduce them to the candidates. And if they already knew a little bit about them, maybe help differentiate among their policies.
7: And the residents who are dead set, the ones who already know who they're going to vote for. They're going to vote this month. Like, no, mm-hmm. no question. They're already going to start voting this month. Um, they really, the candidates at this point are basically competing for that undecided, undecided vote. Mm-hmm. So.
6: You got it. Now is the time for those candidates to start banking those votes. Well, you guys, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. And uh, go, get, go get some sleep tonight. It was a great debate. Great forum.
8: <laughs> Thanks, Greg.
2: The race for City Hall is your insider's guide to the 2021 Atlanta mayoral campaign from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Get the inside track on the latest developments ahead of Election Day by signing up for our exclusive newsletter at AJC.com.